0: you're listening to education experts with edx education education is evolving join heather welch from edx education chatting with teachers psychologists parents authors creatives and other talented experts to keep up with the trends and what's happening from around the globe this podcast series edx education discusses home learning school readiness being creatives changing in education discussing what's next hands-on learning or as we like to say learning through play
1: hello everyone it's heather welch and i'm so excited to be here today to chat about play or as we like to say play-based learning or learning through play at edx education We've chatted on this podcast with so many experts. We've created amazing educational resources and experiences and toys at EDX Education. Now, our last podcast, we've looked at the value of play, social and emotional learning, stages of play, our role as teachers and caregivers in play. And today we're going to discuss a little bit in more depth is benefits of play with special education needs children. So children with special needs or additional learning needs. I mean, play, we all know playing benefits every single child in so many ways. And when it comes to children with extra needs, they gain a lot from play, especially from sensory toys. You know, we're going to approach this in a different way when children with that are neurodiverse, um, autism, ADHD. You know, there are so many developmental needs children have these days and, you know, looking at inclusion, understanding, overall happiness with everyone. Um, and actually as a role of a parent and an educator, it's key in creating these inclusive play environments. So, especially with children that, ah, you know, they do need a slightly bit different attention or more attention. Let's have a look at the different play that we do have here so play in the autism spectrum Yeah, you know, when we talk about autism as a spectrum it's because people with autism can experience a wide variety wide range of um it's not one size fits all they could be very different generally autism is described as a disorder because the challenges in social interaction sometimes accompanied by some you know some difficulties in verbal communication from talking not talking at all having trouble understanding irony or drawing interferences from other people's speech most children with autism also display repetitive or restrictive behaviors besides children and adults with autism they can have sensory processing issues which make other people feel that they're not present or in the moment you know with these traits children with autism and their parents suffer when they struggle to find playmates at times they don't quite fit the ideas of children's play And so this, they prefer sorting games, repetitive tasks. They soon display a strong interest in, you know, in certain fields. They might be fascinated with numbers or maps or talk about dinosaurs. You know, I've got a friend's child that talks about dinosaurs and he's going to be a paleontologist. You know, by the time he's five, he knows all these really complex dinosaur names. I mean, it's just so engaging. It's so interesting. You know, they prefer to play, sometimes engage in solitary play and sometimes seem uninterested in other children, or well, they don't engage in role play or symbolic play. Children, you know, it's, it is a bit more difficult. Still, children, you know, with autism, they like to play and they'll benefit from any activity of playing with other children. And parents, you have to recognize these unique qualities that they have. One great way to include a child with autism in play is through sensory toys. Sensory play helps children, you know, on the spectrum, helps them focus, pay attention. So they could have, if it's sand and water, or they could actually, if they don't like to get messy, they could have like a dry messy. So they could just actually be playing with pasta. You know, additionally, we can, when doing all this, we're sharing our verbal and our social skills. So we can talk about, you know, we can find motor, we could make, pasta necklaces you know something really simple like that or we could use things like rainbow pebbles geosticks construction cubes linking cubes they can help children focus on their strengths and maintain you know an amazing way to feel like they're part of the play as well most children with autism benefit from structured play more than free play however it is nice to have free play as well and help them to be to get to gain a lot more attention through that you know everyone needs play and that's something that we you know as parents and educators are going to chat about today and the other thing is in how can we help children overcome difficulties to you know to start playing and self-regulation when they're feeling overwhelmed the next one we're going to have a look at is ADHD children with ADHD often have difficulty with attention and regulation they demonstrate emotional dysregulation hyperactivity hyperfocus inattentive there's different types impulsivity and it can affect planning, organization, communicating, and managing behavior. You know, and then from a par- this is from a parents or caregiver's perspective. You know, while it's noticeable among children with ADHD, all children need supportive spaces to learn. Children bloom in an environment which caters for the needs of the individual. You know, when caregivers believe in the child, that they have the capacity and the capability to perform well, they will do that. One of the quick wins as a parent or caregiver can have in a classroom or at home with children in ADHD is to allow them for movement. You know, look at fidget toys. Allow them to play. Look at a fidget toy, maybe a poppet, running an errand between a task if they seem unsettled. Allow them a space to decompress where they feel safe. Maybe they need to release the energy when they get home. Find a place for your child to decompress at home. Sometimes they just need that five or ten minutes and then they come back and they're recentered. they've regulated themselves. You know, with rewards for children with ADHD, we talk about gamification and levelling up when they're older, where parents or caregivers help them with small steps to win a place on a rainbow or win a pot of gold. But direct, clear instructions peppered with praise for effort has always worked, especially on ADHD children. With play, a focus on learning through play or hands-on or learning, allowing for experiments or exploration is a great way for children with ADHD to gain confidence and a sense of self or a ward in a classroom or at home. You know, grounding a positive experience or learning environment in the primary years is all important for long-term educational value, especially for ADHD. You know, there's something with ADHD and actually can come hand in hand is self-regulation. This is not just for children with extra needs, learning needs, they might find it hard. So one thing we can talk about today is just the domains of self-regulation, how we can help. So first of all, let's talk about understanding self-regulation for children. We've discussed emotional dysregulation through play. And in this one, we're going to talk, find a further understanding in self-regulation for children. You know, there are many ways to look at why children are finding it hard to self-regulate and understanding five domains of self-regulation will help caregivers look past the behaviour and why it occurs to the individuals and help them manage it. You know, these domains are separate systems but also interlinked with each other. If you're considering why a child is showing signs of stress, it's important to consider all five domains to form a complete picture of why, how this can help them out and how they're trying to express their behaviour. So if we look at five domains of self-regulation, it could be the biological domain, the emotional domain, the co- cognitive domain, the social domain, and the prosocial domain. Let's break down what each of them are. So, for example, you know, people say, I'm hangry, you know, so let's look at the biological domain. You know, factors like nutrition, sleep, exercise, state of health, level of energy, sensory inputs, you know, this all affects children. If they're tired, hungry, cold, hyper, hypersensitive, they're going to get overwhelmed. You know, they may have, they may not be able to self-regulate. We need to get strategy for them to self-regulate for that. So that's number one, the biological domain. Then we have the emotional domain. This refers to the individual's ability to evaluate and you know, understand their emotions, be able to self-regulate. Is your child overexcited, having negative emotions, feeling overwhelmed? All these things. Do they actually understand their emotions? That's a really big thing. Uh, if they're cold, do they say, I feel hot? Are they young enough and they don't understand which one it is? Or if they're hungry and they're just saying they're tired, but they're not understanding, they need to feed their hunger. So this say we need to transit the emotional domain. Then there's cognitive domain. This refers to the individual's ability to remain focused, to maintain concentration, and their ability to switch from task to task. Does your child have poor working memory, lack of attention, easily distracted, confused? This may lead them to not being able to self-regulate, feeling overwhelmed. So how can we break down tasks to make it easier for them? Then number four is the social domain. This involves looking at the impact that individual and their behaviour and actions are having on others. Can they not understand or act on the social cues or the tones of people's voice? Do they not understand that I'm cross, I'm happy, I'm sad? Then there's number five is pro-social domain. This is the positive behaviours that enable an individual to have friendships, social acceptance and empathy. Do they understand other people's emotions, their stress or even sense of injustice? This domain is strongly related to the other four domains in order for them to have friendship groups. Are they able to self-regulate? Are they able to understand emotions? Are they able to socialise? You know, there are ways parents and caregivers can support children managing their emotions, including Many of these, you know, we still use with my own child, who's, you know, struggled with his emotional stress. It's helping them to f- identify and find their emotions and ways to delay, you know, becoming calm. Like techniques, finding a safe space, taking time out in response to anger, frustration, overwhelmed or anxiety. You know, calming techniques also work. You know, maybe deep breathing, for example. There's a lovely one that my son does, which he's been taught in part of a program. It's smell the flowers and blow out the candle and he always says if you do it three times you feel much better so each one three times which is really lovely to hear actually him starting to you know trying to regulate himself and even like developing that emotional vocabulary for children how are they feeling do they understand that they're overwhelmed or they're tired or they need things you know can they actually identify that are they old enough i mean these are really interesting i find it's really interesting for children to be able to understand their emotions understand you know, how they feel and why they feel like this. And, you know, it's up to us is to build that amazingly interactive and inclusive area at home or in a classroom. So let's then go to, you know, creating an inclusive classroom or home environment. I mean, there are lots of strategies that we can have at home or even at school, simple strategies. So setting, for example, you know, we can encourage hands-on learning and finding ways for children to engage with all abilities and all ages. Let's say some 10-year-olds love active participation with small inclusive groups. You know, 11-year-olds may benefit from interacting with smart boards. You know, maybe so the 12-year-olds thrive on performing tasks, being in worksheet like gamification or a at- partner activity. It's really about catering for those individuals and spotting, you know, what works for them. Do they need a quiet space? Do they need an active space? It, You know, be really benefit for people to work together all levels. The best, you know, way that we can, we can join forces is to have that inclusive classroom inclusive home we look at our perspective and look at the social how can we put everyone together you know and with the varying abilities can the can people that have stronger abilities teach the ones that have you know lower abilities it's a really interesting thing to have a look at in a classroom for children that have you know or you know can they help each other when you have these varying abilities how can you become more resilient persistent tolerant even of people that are maybe or not, and then how can you help them understand? And when you're teaching other people, even as a child, then you're learning different parts of it yourself. So, I mean, looking at senator we've sort of spoken today just quickly about playing the autism and things to look for and you know, maybe interacting with more sensory play. Um, we've looked at ADHD and then understanding self-regulation for children and the different domains. So remembering those different domains. There are so many other areas we could look at today, but let's just stick to those five. And thank you very much for listening to us. It's been amazing. And we look forward to sharing more podcasts in the next few months. Thank you very much.
0: There are so many exciting developments happening right now in education. EDX Education would love to hear from you. So do get in touch or subscribe to our podcast, which is available on Apple, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn, and so many more. This podcast series is brought to you by Heather Welch from EDX Education, as she'd like to say, let's create lifelong learners.